The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 84 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as ActionNetwork.com. But this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight. We are, of course, at our normal time at Thursday night. It was the night before the weigh-ins and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring except for the two big stinks next to me and the Big stink you're watching, but I appreciate you nonetheless. Of course, it's going to be uh, Las Vegas time uh, Thursday evening for UFC Vegas 84, UFC Fight Night 234, UFC Fight Night Ankalaev Walker 2, UFC Fight Night Dagestani Stipe versus Johnny Walker 2. However you like to put it, we're going to get to it. There'll be a lot less, a lot less formalities. Just a couple of quick shouts, no recaps. Uh, nothing like that. Maybe just uh, you know saying what's up to some of you guys in the chat. We got my homies, Chronic Combat Conversations. What's up, TB? And the good guru, of course, a recent guest here. Hope to have him back on. It's Dan Tom time. Appreciate you guys. James Kendrick in the house. Always appreciate you, sir. Hi, Dan. Jimmy Kudo. I I got I know you, Jimmy Kudo's too nice, but um, I I feel like I still owe this guy a lot, even though he'll he'll turn me down. He the enforcer is here. Jimmy Kudo five nine eight. Hi, I'm ready to moderate into the new year. I appreciate you, uh, Jimmy. I appreciate all y'all for being here. Appreciate you for putting up with me toward the end of the year. Still not feeling great. <clears throat> I'm like this lingering, you know, I'm sure we all have it. I just like like to fool myself and think I still have a Wolverine healing factor, what felt like a sinus infection, that I, I'd feel better than I would get back in the gym because I would be responsible and stay away from, you know, when I'm, when I'm sick, you know. Uh, COVID didn't change that. It's just common sense and, you know, a common courtesy. But pushing too hard and we'd get sick again. And then it went from just sinus infection, stubbed up, head cold to like, I don't know if it was strep throat because it was sore throat and just kind of like weak and feeling sick. And that's been for about a week now. And uh, yeah, your boy is, uh, is is not Bangkok ready. We're getting Bang Tao ready, baby. Uh, February, uh, mid, mid-February. So I'm already on the clock as far as, uh, you know, my training goals that I already have for myself. So we're pushing through, folks. You guys don't care about that. We're here to break down fights. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys are doing well and keeping your momentum. You know, there's, uh, you know, for me, I didn't have as much to, to, to brag about at the end of the year, but I did not quietly do a lot of work and I'm like, you know what, let's go ahead and let's keep that work going. Um, whatever you guys got going, hopefully you're keeping that kind of flow going and, uh, we can push into this next year, man. Pepe Silva, he's back. So are you. Appreciate you being back, Pepe Silva. What's up? Rhea Susan Truesdale looking good now. I don't know about that. Like I just crawled crawled out of bed. I haven't like worked out in a week here, but uh, I appreciate appreciate you. We got the uh, we got the manifest shirt on. We're gonna we're gonna manifest some uh, some good things in the year. So 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 thank you for being here, uh, Mr. Truesdale, Jimmy Kudo, Pyn Family for life. For, 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 for life. Hey yo, hey yo, Big Kev. Sorry, I had to do my little uh, Scott Hall 
impersonation. I wonder what we'll do for the uh, first gift series back. You know, I like to do those. Like, whether you gamble or not, and whether, like, you know, my stuff sucks or not, or is doing well or not. Gotta admit, you know, as far as, like, you know, gambling, MMA, timeline, gift, uh, gift reaction games, um, hopefully... I've established somewhat of a presence on this shitty space, you know, formerly known as Twitter, which is only getting shittier. Your boy just got DCMA'd. So I pulled up from a Southpaw report that I was I was doing for Jim Miller because I was surprisingly, like, I've never really done an official one of these. And I was, like, going way back into his record. And I was like, oh, I forgot that guy was even a Southpaw, right? You know, we're talking about some, like, real, like, names we'll talk about when we get to the Jim Miller section. But, yeah, I pulled up on that. And luckily, um... We got a shotgun scatter at the board. I've got takes all across the board for you guys. Um, maybe not quite finished on the main card. Tape due diligence. You guys know me, my OCD. Like to run things to the comb. I will be full transparency as usual for you guys. But uh, you know, as far as like stuff I like for plays or where I'm going, I, I got a lot to give you guys, and I I, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. Um, not being able to give you guys the new camera, like I, I promised, because uh, you know. Despite having the time again, I'll save you guys excuses in the stories, but being sick and just having a lot of stuff, uh, like, uh, I have to get two of the personals, but I think change, like, uh, nothing like dramatic, uh, for, you know, or whatever. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I've been meaning to for a minute, um, changed, uh, banks out. So I was changing all my cards, changing all this stuff out and all this stuff, uh, end of the year stuff, da da da, prospects list. Thank you guys for checking that out, by the way. I do, I should shout out my own work, by the way. Uh, but that took up a lot of time, and uh, and yeah, just just being sick really just killed days out of the whole last month. So, yeah, apologies. Uh, we don't get too many breaks here in the industry, and uh, and I'm I'm sure I'm not alone as far as like planning stuff to do. So when you get like sick, dude, and again, I'm, it's a one man. I'm not, you know trying to play a violin or whatever, uh, doing you know grateful for life, all that stuff. But yeah, I'm a one-man ship over here. So, you know, when, when when I go down, everything goes down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, except for the dogs. They, you know, as long as I'm, like, somewhat alive, these 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 savages are getting fed, right? Uh, or even if I'm dead, they'll probably just eat me. Well, that was dark, Dan. They are big dogs, though. Listen. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, so uh, so forgive me. Uh, hopefully, we'll maybe, maybe we'll, we'll try for next week. We'll see. We'll be running right into a pay-per-view week. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we still got stuff uh, coming your guys' way in all facets of the game. Uh, thank you guys for piling in. Hit the like button. Appreciate that. Um, Ronan Curtis, hoping for some dance on hot takes. I don't know if I'm a hot take guy. I think I'm just that much of a contrarian hipster uh, an asshole. <laughs> it just ends up being a hot take. But I appreciate you nonetheless. Uh, the Jim Miller of Botox Fillers. Oh, Jim Miller-san. You know it's Jim Miller fight week. And we got Andre Arlovsky. I mean, you guys know I'm a big Jim Miller fan, but I'm also a big Andre Arlovsky fan. We're going to be getting into the breakdown at this point, so why don't we just get there? Uh, let me get some shouts out of the way, um, and then I'll shout my uh, prospect article at the end there. Uh, I just want to uh, shout out um, Southpaw Podcast, my guy Sam Yang. Um, if you are a listener of theirs already, uh, I would just, you know, I don't even, like, charge or, like, ask for money for my own show or whatever. But, uh, you know, and I don't know the details of what's going on there, but uh, they're just a, a podcast that's much needed in the space, voices that are much needed in the space. And uh, so if you are a listener and you support, um, you know, or you, you, you're thinking about supporting and, and, and you know, don't, uh, you know, give them a check out. And if you don't listen to them, we'll give them a check out. Maybe you'll find that they are worth supporting. Um, I certainly uh, do feel they are, but I cannot speak for you, but I can shout them out. 
um, because uh, I've got much love for them. Just like, and again, uh, speaking of my emotional ass, again, whether it's for, you know, uh, myself or others, uh, um, yeah, you know, I just, uh, hopefully I didn't like, I think we had a, a, a good show, uh, an award show. It was much better than I thought because I have like no expectations, as you guys know, for those things. My guy Fenyo really just... Again, coming in, Fenyo's like the MVP of this podcast this, uh, this last year, you know, really coming in and just saving my butt in so many ways. Um, shout out to to Fenyo. Uh, that's, of course, at uh, F-E-N-O-X Sky on the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, and then you can also support uh, his group over there. Uh, he, he does an excellent early prelim podcast on the fight site uh, dash uh, the fight dash site.com which is also worthy of your sport also really good podcast feed. you don't just get my guy Fanyo you also get uh um uh what's it called the uh the, the fight site MMA podcast those guys do an excellent job um, I don't know why I blank on their names every week <laughs> um, and uh they're really they're really good and funny dudes I I I generally enjoy them both um but yeah uh Speaking of the award show at the end, uh, Tuman, who was, I was always, uh, you know, that if you go back to the award show and the show notes and that link, and I'll probably just put it up here uh, in this one as well. Um, but we have his legal fund. Uh, he's in a detention center, um, you know, uh, un- un- unrightfully, like a, a lot of people just trying to uh, uh, immigrate over. Um, so we have that going. And then lastly, but not leastly, like, you know, this isn't so much like an SOS, and I don't want to treat like the others like, you know, you know, I mean, it, it kind of is for two, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, but like, I just want to genuinely give a shout to the Grappling Hour, my guy Rafa Sparza, uh, OG podcast fan, especially if you're in the jiu-jitsu space, you guys are probably familiar with the Verbal Tap podcast, which was Kevin Phillips and Rafa Sparza. Um, bummer to people like me, you know, I, I really love that cat, uh, that podcast, just, you know, real life stuff happens, but Rafa is still... Uh, doing the damn thing, and he's really passionate about grappling, and the grappling hour, kind of like the MMA hour, essentially like the Ariel Hawani of grappling, so on all levels, you know, regional, whatever, you know, gi, no gi, submission only, uh, if you're winning big tournaments, you're making noise, he's interviewing these winners, really good interviews, really good insight, um, so if you're a grappling fan, um, you're looking for more grappling podcasts to listen to, and somebody who actually knows how to host, and is really comical, entertaining, and also does know his stuff, too not that it's too much about the technical stuff although he does have like sections of entertainment for that i encourage you to go check out the grappling hour you know i think they have also have like patreon and other tiers too that you can support and further your enjoyment of them but uh my guy rafa sparza just I, I love everything he does and i really wanted to give that a shout um lastly but not leastly uh we'll give uh my uh prospects article a shout that i did for uh, junkie uh, it looks like it's going to be a yearly thing. Why not? It's probably good, you know, that I use that break to catch up on who's coming up. And like I said, what, what, what do we go? Like 30, 35 and 5 ended up being because uh, Shinryu lost to Horiguchi, right, at Risen. So it ended up being 33 and 5 and then uh, with the 67 finish uh, percentage rate. So again, you know, uh, whether you, 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 you know, uh, think I suck, uh fairly or unfairly or the fact that I just really did genuinely suck last year right when it came to my bets I know we get sick of hearing me say it but yes the analysis you know analysis isn't bad right I mean like uh 
all that stuff aged fairly well, you know. People, a lot of those people ended up being multiple uh, champ weight champions. Whether you know, these were a little more the obvious ones from the Parnase, so the, at least in my opinion, to the uh, Lazy King. But um, there are plenty of low key uh, hitters on there as well. So uh, that was twenty three. This one was twenty four. Uh, like last year's, I think I whittled down from eighty. This year, it was only whittled down from fifty. To be honest, I don't want to say. I don't want to say only, right? Like Jesus. You know, I'm still going 50 plus people through 50 plus people, but um, and you still you're gonna leave off people, obviously. Even if I went to 100, right, I was probably would have still left off people. Uh, that being said, for what it's worth, you know, go check that out. That's pinned. Please share that. And again, regardless of my bets, that stuff tends to age well. So whether you're uh, a gambler and want to get in before the inflation, or whether you're like a you know annoying hipster analyst person like me, and you just want to be like, I was calling it before getting you a uh, You you can you can like hedge your you know you can up your chances of being that guy, whatever the guy air quotes you want to be. Uh, just go check that out, and you can check out some good guys and gals on that list. All right, I'm uh, gonna do a chat cleanup. We'll get right into this breakdown here. Twelve minutes in, not too bad. Um, all right, what's going on here? We got Ronan Curtis. Uh, you talked recently about your love for old fighters, and we have some of the oldest for you this week. Yeah, that's right. We got some, uh, yeah, shout out to Pepe Silva as well. We got some soggy dick specials, perhaps. How many, how many, <laughs> how many soggy dicks will Dan Tom slide onto his plate this week? Wait and see on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Sorry. <laughs> wow, Dan, junior high really coming out of you in multiple ways. Jen Karasu, always love the show. Rain Lamina, the Carrie Hatley, Ref and Batley. You like that one since it's actually relevant to the sport. <laughs> I was actually just watching some tape uh, of a UFC San Antonio fight. I think it was Giles Parsons and Hatley had it. I was like, oh, here we go, baby. Um, there's another Texas note, but again, I'll wait till I get to the breakdown of that fight. James Kendrick, which you consider 2019 through 25. 2025, the hot take era of MMA because it seems like it and it's annoying. It, it's just the engagement era is what we're really what feels that you know it's the engagement era and I know I sounded like a boomer years ago saying I hate the engagement era but you guys can kind of see it now that's just all what it is like I I hate it like I go through my timeline and I'll spend time like why do I need to know who this person is like and I still don't and I'll take the time and I'm like I still don't know why this person I'll find out who the person is and the context of the situation we're talking about I'm like I still don't know why. I need to know who this person is. I still don't know why they're as popular as they are. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and, uh, you know, again, there's good people out there doing it too, but even those good people to get to their positions, they have to play the game, right? That's that's the part that I have trouble doing. But, yeah, you definitely complaining in the right place. Let's just say that. Jin Karasu, my wish for the 2024 years for Dan to have a profitable year in MMA game. Like, eh, you're way too nice. Wish for something else. Uh, wish for something for yourself, or if we're going to do the selfless wish, there's plenty of other things. But I appreciate that nonetheless. I appreciate you, Jin Karasu, Jimmy Kudo, any glue factory fights this week. Uh, if I use that reference correctly, that is Phil McKenzie's reference, sir. And yes, you did use it correctly. And Phil McKenzie, I got to get him back on here, too. It's not one I can, uh, top five, I can really turn into MMA junkie content, but it'd be one for me and Phil where we, we want to do top five Tekken parallels in MMA. <laughs> And I only want to do it more after watching uh, Brian Cox do a breakdown on Tekken 8, which was just insane. I did not believe it was real until I saw it. James Kendrick, Engagement Era. I like that, and it is a better name than what I said earlier. Yep, that's what it is. All right, speaking of engagement, let's engage at roughly 15 minutes into the show. UFC Vegas 84. 
Let's get to it. Well, shall we? Let's not waste any time. Let's let's, let's hit, hit it hit it running. Um, of course, like my internet kind of went wonky. At least my odds page right before I went up was part of the reason why I didn't. Because I was actually like, I know I usually start late. I actually usually start later in my defense, but uh, there it is. Okay, I had to reset some tabs because my internet went burnt, and then I was like, okay, I don't want to go live if my internet's not clicking. And uh, seems like we're doing okay. So you guys seem to be hearing me okay, Jenna. James Kendrick responded pretty promptly in there. So it sounds like we're all good. And we got the odds up. All right, we're going top to bottom as usual. We got, uh, <laughs> by the way, Dagestani Stipe. Shout out to uh, Fenyo for the uh, thumbnail if you guys caught that. He actually just did Stipe uh, Miocic with a beard and, and a headpiece. And pretty much nobody caught on to it, which kind of strengthens my Dagestani Stipe Magomed Miocic uh, comparison, does it not? Does it not, folks? So that's right, folks. We're again again even if you want to you know say okay now all your analysis sucks stop stop nitpicking and splitting hairs fine if i do have one special power though folks again it's it's uh saying who is the doppelganger of who whether it's fucking random shitty movies or or yeah other you know ankalive is stipe and stipe is really vigo mortensen all right yeah it's just what it is all right we got uh dagestani stipe minus 550 johnny walker uh come back on him roughly plus 410 um, yeah, these are kind of ridiculous odds, especially, you know, big guys swinging, uh, which, you know, page note, I guess when we get to the prelim headliner, uh, I guess there's a parallel there with the headliner and the prelim headliner, you get wide odds for some volatile, albeit in different ways, uh, different degrees granted, but yeah, we got some volatile, uh, action here. Um, last time I picked, uh, Magomed Ankalaev by kind of like an uncharacteristic first round finish. Um, that's when he gets most of his finishes. That's when Johnny Walker gets finished most of the times. And, uh, you know, you're in there for that long with a guy like Walker or something arguably went wrong. And even if that's not the case, even if you're a guy who conservative wrestles, which Ankalaev can do, doesn't mean that he does, he can do. So we've seen with Magomed Ankalaev's fights. They just get weird, right? They get weird. You know, whether they're getting weird at the very end uh, or getting weird at the middle or in the beginning, like last time out. Um, you know, it, it is... The dude's just got a weird uh, w weird luck to him. Again, everyone's crapping on Stipe Miocic for not staying active. I'm like, he's staying active. It's just, you know... You know, I, I still don't know if his win percentage is any better than what they're throwing out right now. <laughs> if you believe the uh, Clark Kent uh, action that, that's going on. But bad jokes aside, um, <clears throat> you could look at this one and, and just with the weirdness and the fact that rematches don't go the same, that that is the one rule, right? And the volatile rule of MMA, much less projecting MMA that we're trying to do here. Uh, and say, okay, maybe they go more conservative and, you know. Um, but, uh, and I know interviews are just interviews, take them with a grain of salt. But Uncle Iov, even he seems to know that... Uh, he had a funny answer too. He had like this, oh, oh, oh. he had almost this weird like, oh, oh, like, oh, like a little like before he had, when it, like as he was getting like the, the the question translated. I think it was um, shout out to uh, Alex Behuenen, one of a handful of dudes who actually will do good questions over there uh, on those scrums, and he was like making the joke of like, "What's up with your luck, dude?" You know, whatever, and you hear him getting it translated and. And, and, you know, Dagestani Steve Bates is like, whoa, before he answers. It was, it was classic because he's such a, a stoic dude. 
But uh, I think even he knows he's got to make a statement and get uh, get Johnny Walker out of there. Um, you know, Johnny Walker uh, traditionally can be do or die. That's been mitigated a bit with the style that he's, you know, the uh, more structured, faint-heavy back foot style that he's kind of acquired at SPG. In his defense, um, you're starting to see the, the process start to shine through a bit there. Um, Walker can not just faint, but he's actually jabbing, low kicking, doing a change-up knee, doing some like quick change-up knees. Um, it's when he's in open stance that he does grand ones, whether it's the one that pays off like the, against Misha Serkinov where he just times and hits just randomly, right? Or... You know, one of the many ones like last time out um, in the open stance where he loses position, right? But everything from those knees to everything else looks so much tighter. It looks so much better. You see much more jabs, obviously, too, when he is close stance, uh, orthodox, orthodox, right? And then he'll float a southpaw himself because he's creative, but it's really just for some kicks. Johnny Walker, that is. Um, as my southpaw report, that I reshared from their last time out, which again doesn't change too much, especially when you go back and look at their fight. Um, it was a lot of the same stuff that I said there. <clears throat> he will, to get that outside angle, he will really kind of launch all his attacks and combinations, if he does throw a combination, off of his rear leg, Johnny Walker will. Um, but body, left-sided punches, uh, like Tiago Santos, um, left-sided body kicks, uh, all those things are like right there, and that is exactly what Magomed Ankalaev throws, as well as something that I've called being there for Johnny Walker for a while, because it, it has been there. I think you go back, it was, it was Ragnar Prado or one of those southpaws there on his regional career. Um, you'll see the check right hook at him there too. Um, <clears throat> it, it's a shot that that uh, he, he's definitely. Uh, <clears throat> open to. He's been throwing them better himself. I think he actually hits Anthony Smith one that's coming to my mind as I'm speaking now. It's kind of confusing me. But it's also something that uh, he can definitely be hit with. Um, and again, that's the thing about Uncle Live. It's like he has all these tools from wrestling to striking. It's just depending on him to use it is the thing. And that's also why seeing him, even though I don't disagree that he should be not just a favorite but a, a decently sized favorite, seeing him at like north of 500 odds you're like man how do you trust this guy that you know um you really kind of get priced out which i believe you are um <clears throat> i do like the smaller cage better for him i think that will encourage him more to wrestle which is why i'm still picking ankle live to get it done early i just think it might extend into round two and for that reason the under at plus money is tempting especially since i don't have anything else because you figure Johnny Walker, if he's going to upset the apple cart, the way he's going to do it most is probably that under as well, right? Um, so if that under is still at plus money, under one and a half, yeah, plus 120, what did it open at? Plus 128. Um, I almost jumped on it plus 125. It just wasn't juicy enough. But, like, you know, if you don't get cute and, like, do the Dan Tom any excuse to bet somebody in late rounds deal, like, what's a unit on that? And then maybe, like, you throw... Because uh, I think last time I threw Johnny Walker in an underdog parlay, uh, round robin, of just like stuff that like you know because the, the the house that I play at uh, at the counter for funsies after this is all wrapped up and my stuff was in uh, before the fights kick off I'm at the casino type deal. Uh, one of those houses I play at <clears throat> doesn't they give really good numbers and stupid numbers sometimes on rounds and submissions, which is why I go there. You know me, hot rounds get you hot rounds. Yeah, I don't know about too many hot rounds 
yet, folks. So hold on that. Um, but they only let you round robin underdogs, which sucks. So sometimes I'll do that, depending like if the like and and to be honest, like spoiler alert, um, not too much of a spoiler. I usually don't have my round robins locked in for you guys, and that is the case here. Uh, I can tell you, you know, roughly two to three at least of what I'm aiming toward, and that again is the case here. But I'll tell you what, you know, and we'll get to my picks and stuff. But like, I actually feel better about round robbing just four straight dogs at like great prices on this card, regardless of whether I or you pick them, just because of the. The dreaded V word value. Shout out to Joey Odessa. But you know what I'm saying? So that's just kind of me thinking out loud. And Johnny Walker obviously would be one of those. Just being a, you know, uh, having a high potential finishing rate, the weirdness, you know, how that how that uh, ends up. Um, Yeah, it's it's dog or pass from a money line perspective. Obviously the pick is on Goliath by second round sub. Um, maybe if I'm up. I fuck around and then and we we're still getting a you know we're still getting north of a you know in the plus money territory for that under. I just throw a unit on there for funsies, but it's the first card of the year, and even though I'm looking like it's going to be my normal bankroll layout play of slate, um, it's not because I'm trying. I'm not really not trying to force anything here. It's just kind of what I see and what I'm going to fire on. So yeah, um, all right, far to the next fight. I want to see what you guys have to say on the main event. Dagasani Stipe uh, is the thumbnail. Oh my god, that's so funny! I didn't see it until I opened the new tab. Yep, yeah, that's right. It, it is not a, uh, it's not on Goliath there. <laughs> James Kendrick. I think as long as Johnny Walker stays away from uh, saying the fight is in the desert, it will be a no contest. Yeah, well, he's in the desert this time, but I feel you. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, Ankalaev can't get a win or a loss, which is sad. Yeah, he's in purgatory. Matt Pauly, Wasabi, we're back. Was losing my mind without these weekly breakdowns. Anton Verlo, appreciate you. Hopefully you like the uh, shows I offered you guys in the interim. I know last week was quiet, and, you know, that's why I was extra disappointed. I didn't at least get you guys a camera for, for the action this week. But, uh, yeah, man, Let, let's get back at it. All right, co-main event. Manel Cop minus 290. Uh, Mateus Nicolau, plus 235. Man, oh, man. Okay, so. <clears throat> um, I, this is this feels like a classic again. If, if rematches aren't supposed to go, like, the last, then, well, maybe the Manel Cop action is justified because these guys open at dead even odds, which I agree. Um, I agree whilst also not disagreeing nor being surprised about money coming in on cop. But steaming cop to three to one odds, practically, fading Nikolau to over two to one, you know, in a fight he already won. And I know it was a close fight that could have gone either way. And, uh, you know, since Figueredo uh, left, the new fighter to jerk off at flyweight from May Gamblers has been Manel Cop. I like Manel Cop. He trains out of my backyard. Uh, he's one of Eric Nixick's guys. You know, I love Eric Nixick. All that stuff. Spoiler alert, I'm picking and I'm playing cop here. I'm not hating on cop, his team, or any of his supporters. I'm just, you know me, I can't I can't help but uh, take my shot. But I can't help but be honest too, right? Like, you know, it's, it, it's not like I'm saying anything crazy. It's not like I'm saying the sky is red when it's blue. I'm like, no, MMA gamblers love young dudes. They love over the old dudes, right? Uh, these are like basic trends we all know, and there are certain dudes that just MMA gamblers just get bullish about. Cops, one of those guys, uh, and because of that, 
I, I remember everybody felt like it was a big robbery, and I was like, you know what? I've I've been on the wrong end of those. Um, I didn't feel like I was gonna get it because it was classic like bigger moments versus the the quieter, more technical uh, counter work, uh, body work, counter shots. We know how that goes. And what do you know? Uh, the body work counter guy actually won. What do you know? The body work counter guy that Danton was on actually won. One of those rare times. That being said, even that, I I, I have no problem if it would have won to cap cop. I think it was a uh, uh, you know you think that Nicolau was more hurt than he actually was, you know, uh, so to speak. And or you miss even just a couple of Nikolaus really nice counter shots. Um, it's easy to make a, a decision toward cop and not feel too bad about it, to be honest, right? It's just one of those fights, no matter how you cut it. So, between Nikolau finally, you know, even though he was able to reel off three in a row, uh, they both had four fights. Nikolau went three and one, cop went four and oh. Even though Nikolai was able to reel off three in a row, he gets he gets just caught right in the beginning, just dipping propensities. You know, it's something that he always does. He dips, he throws, he dips, and he comes up with his left hook. It's one of his best shots. He actually has good takedowns, and he works these these uh, chains. I, re I really love the style, but um, it's why he's that wasn't the first knee he's been caught with, right? Um, Manel Kopp caught him with some knees in their fight toward the end of round three that arguably swayed the round for some people, right? I still ended up giving it to... Um, Nicolau, uh, who responds, and then Cop, I think, hits him back with the right hook, and he still gets the last shot of the round. But that's the thing. Whenever there's a big moment, and everybody goes ooh and ah, but we're really not sure, especially if you're really looking and not getting swayed by those things, how much it really connected. Again, look at the fighter's response. Not just did they back up, because Nicolau always backs up, right? But do they fire back? And if they fire back, did they land? How, and did they fire back? Did they land? Regardless of either of which, how sharp did they look whilst doing so? And Nikolau checked off all three of those boxes for me. So you still score, obviously you still score, uh, clearly, the shots that Cop landed. But as far as the, he was rocked, Rogan scoring it, you know, it-ish, it, ish, um, I'd say, you know, watch how the exchange goes right after. You know, that'll tell you a lot how a fighter's doing, you know. If they're really rocked, they're probably not going to look sharp with their technique, much less win an exchange, much less win the next two exchanges or something, right? So something always to keep in mind, at least that's how I kind of go about um, kind of uh, scoring in my head um, when it comes to that. So you get this time around, and, you know, especially, you know, Cop, he's only finished, I don't want to say only finished two of his last four, but if you watch it, like, you know, like it was Felipe Dos Santos. That kid was just so fun. And he almost, you know, if he wasn't as tough as he was, you know, especially coming in on shorter notice like he did, most people are getting finished there. Um, the Dvorak fight, like, from submission to knockout, like, he almost finishes him multiple times. Like, it was disgusting. Like, uh, the bell saved him. His flexibility saved him. So, like, Cop could be, like, 4-0 with four finishes right now for one, right? And uh, so because of that, um, because of the improvements that he is showing in the ring generalship, right? Like, even the Felipe Dos Santos fight, what's a crazy pace fight? Um, and Cop is not the most consistent guy, but uh, you'll see at a certain point, uh, Eric will say, stand your ground and keep him in this keep him in this section, right? The the geography Nixick talks about. And Cop takes a breath, and he kind of, like, does a slight reset back step for a second, but he stands his ground, feints, throws that cross to the body we always talk about. 
Um, that's and of course, like I always talk about, you know, citing the great Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje, right? UFC two eighteen. What's going to stop that marauding pressure? Those guys, you got to go to their body, right? Those tough guys just keep coming, and that stops the pressure. And uh, cop starts working and kind of uh, building the nest back uh, up, so to speak. Uh, from there, so it's nice. He's he's got a you know between the Javier Mendez aka corner to that like whoever that like crazy dude is in his corner you can hear in his risen fights who like I think he like shouts like some racist stuff at some certain points I don't know I'm thinking of the right guy but he definitely like is like oof this guy is like way too passionate in that corner way too passionate like the fighters bring enough passion we, you know, relax there right um and so uh, and I'm not saying that to shit on it I'm just saying I'm, I'm not ju- I'm also just pointing these things out to show that I'm not just oh, he's working with Nixick, he's my guy, and bias, and I'm painting with that brush. Like, I'm more of a Nikolau fan here. I picked Nikolau and played Nikolau last time. I have a, you know, and I'm, I'm showing the work as to why, um, you know, uh, you know, why I'm saying these things about the positives, about, you know, cop getting with a, a guy like guy like Nixick. So that, the dipping propensities, is going to lead me to pick cop by KO, uh, as my uh, Action Network article listed. Because um, you're priced out of playing cop, it's pretty much dog or pass. Like anybody um, out of principle, again, you know, Pantoja versus Moreno, Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald. Some of these great fights, great series, great fighters. Just these classic, the classic. We're gonna disrespect the dude who won the fight and put him as an underdog. You know, and it feels like a real popularity thing more than it is anything tangible, especially by this margin, right? Um, Robbie's wasn't too big. It was like what, like plus one ten, plus one twenty, or some shit. You know, Pantoja plus one ninety. I mean, you're getting Nikolau plus two ten. This is flyweight, flyweight designed to fight close. Flyweight volatility, like women's fights, as far as like decisions can go either way, and and that kind of volatility. Um, we've already seen the matchup, and how about Styles? What the way Dan Tom breaks it and values highly, and many other analysts do, right? Well, what are the Styles? Well, it's two counterfighters. That's that's so frustrating, so hard to score, so hard to be confident on. But again, it wasn't back to me in the beginning. It wasn't me being, you know, Dan Tom has to be a dick to MMA gambling Twitter. You're like, no, no, it's I'm I I just went through and I painted the whole, I showed the whole fucking work. There is no reason. Again, I'm picking and playing cop. Granted, at a plus 180 line at no more than a unit. But I'm not laying the fucking chalk and telling you to lay the chalk on that money. That money line, you cannot justify 3-1 to one in this matchup. He could go out and wipe him out, and that's what I'm picking to do him to do. But if he doesn't, and I'm saying this again, my hand included as a cop backer here. I'm not fucking picking on MMA gambling Twitter and their, their trends and who they like. Like... I'm going to fall on this sword too if it goes down. But we deserve it. We have to know that. We deserve it. We're literally fading a dude who's already won the match. Tale as old as time, right? Right? Well, you know, this is within a two-year time period. Uh, let's go back to that Moreno and Pantoja. was within a two-year time period they fought the last time. Uh, Lawler and McDonald's in a two-year time period. left. This is fucking tale as old as time. We do it every time. We, we, and I hate to say it. I'm on it. You know, again, I'm picking it. Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, all of the, all that shit. I almost feel like the betting, uh, the betting juju is gonna gonna jinx Cop here, because people are just so bullish on him, 
And uh, and and yeah. So if anybody wants to play Nicolau, you don't owe an explanation to anybody. Uh, out of principle, I feel like it's almost worth a small stab. Um, perhaps he would be on that uh, parlay or that round robin I was talking about. If you want to put a round robin of just big dogs, whether you think they're going to win or not, yeah, he would probably be on there as well. To be honest. So, but the pick is going to be cop by round one knockout. I played cop by knockout at plus 180 for a unit. Um, I may throw it, and that is one thing I am looking possibly in my round robin. Um, also, maybe looking, you know, if I really need something, this is low on the list. If I really need something, I'll take Dagestani Stepe in round two. Um, but I have, but, but cop is, is one that I'm, I'm looking at uh, for a potential leg by KO. We'll see. And again, the good thing about that cop or the Dagestani Stipe, especially if I do one on the side, you know, and even though I don't know if I will or not, and if I do, it'll probably be on track, so I won't count for me. Uh, unless I pull the trigger early, we'll see. We'll see. I gotta, I gotta, there's still some on these I want to look a little more into before I do it, to be honest. But um, that's nice that you have the, you know, it's like, okay, well, if they lose, that means the other person probably won. And you got their money lines up plus number on another, you know, on another round robin. Which, even though I'm ending up with a, a kind of a full slate for this, this was kind of a card where I was initially thinking maybe just do two round robins or something and do some of those on some cards where it's like, you know, I don't have to like go like big on a bunch of plays just when it's like these crappy, crappier kind of Apex cards. And even though this is a better one, you know what I mean? You can just maybe have fun with it and just put some high value stuff that you're not really like too, too invested in. So, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. All right, next fight. Uh... Jim Mirasan, minus 148. Gabriel Benitez, plus 124. Gabriel Benitez is one of my favorite tough Latam guys. I'll just tell you guys that. Shouldn't be surprised. He's a southpaw. Uh, but I believe this one was opened uh, closer to even odds, even though it's not really pulling up for me right now. Um, it makes me nervous, too, because, you know, usually people are fading the uh, older guy, even though they're both kind of older and... Uh, Gabriel Benitez doesn't have a great record. It's coming off of a not just a layoff, an injury layoff where he couldn't train, a serious injury. Um, you know, maybe it's the love for Jim Miller, and uh, he's been on a run, and, you know, it's that Jim Miller UFC 300 push. You almost start to get worried, you know, because we know how the MMA gods do. Um, I don't want to put that into the universe, but it's already put in the universe. I mean, they're going to get into a fight, you know. Even though apparently Sean Shelby was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this will give you enough time to get right back into it. <laughs> like, Jesus, I mean, I, I guess, maybe. Uh, if he doesn't get, like, completely deaded or something. Um, in which case, I'd be like, yeah, like, I mean, though you're getting plus money on Benitez if you wanted it, I would just say, like, maybe Benitez round one uh, would be a, a, you know, I know kick for coverage plus one, but, like, you know, <clears throat> you get over double the money there. And uh, it's, it sounds silly. I don't want to put that in the universe. Although, if he was going to lose, I actually would like Jim to lose this way because then he would be able to uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, be okay still to fight. But, uh, you know, Benitez does have a, a mean uh, guillotine. I know, it sounds really crazy that I'm even putting this out in the universe, me and a big Jim Miller fan. But let's be honest, you know, whether it's like the John Fish, Fitch, Josh Berkman, which may not be the best example, but like, if you've got a good guillotine, like, MMA is so volatile, you know, with club and subs, like, what was it, um, Ben Rothwell, Josh Barnett, right? Like, 
the higher accoladed person, right? Like weird, weird stuff. Weird stuff can happen. And Miller, of course, as good as he is, he's been. Granted, it was like Nate Diaz and stuff who's guillotined him, or Pat Healy after like a beatdown, right? Uh, with a with an RNC choke. But like, um, you know. Like, you know, I'm sure it's probably it better be a stupid number. I don't know why, otherwise I really look stupid even putting that in the universe. I, you better put like Gabriel Benitez plus two thousand for submission, right? Tell me that they, that's what they put. Oh, plus twelve hundred. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's <laughs> that's worth it. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna be fucking with any of that, and I I'm not telling you to play with that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here out loud. You know, it's Jim Miller season all day. Um. I'm a little bummed that I missed the near even money. He's still in playable range, which um, I'll probably take him at the sports book. Even if he gets up to like minus 160, I'll, I'll, I'll throw, you know, I'll probably throw like, you know, 1.5, 1.6 to 2 units on him um, on the book on track. Uh, I'm telling you guys that ahead of time, too. Um, but <clears throat> I couldn't pass up the inside the distance line at plus 145. I put 1.5 units on that. So I'm already exposed at 1.5 for Jim. Um, and that's what I played first. And I jumped on that. And uh, my other two houses don't offer inside the distance line. So I'm like, just like, you know, and, I, and I, I, I'll, I'll round robin in those two houses, depending on what what's giving me what. Those are my two round robin houses anyways. You know, so maybe I throw Jim Miller round one or Jim Miller sub or something in there to have some action on Jim. But... We've seen he can be knocked out. Gabriel Benitez can be knocked out. Um, <clears throat> I feel better about Jim not getting the left kick knockout because he's going to be in the southpaw stance. It's going to close it. Uh, when I was doing the southpaw report on Jim Miller, which, by the way, he's 5-7 and seven against UFC southpaws. And that's not including Anthony Pettis because Anthony Pettis is a switch dance fighter who does a deceptive amount of work from orthodox more than people realize. Uh, so five and seven without Anthony Pettis, but win or lose, whether we're talking about Dustin Poirier higher level later in his career, or like early on his in his career against like uh, David Barron in his UFC debut, who was a southpaw I forgot about, as well as Steve Lopez. I forgot that guy was a southpaw. I used to train with that guy. That guy actually, um, I used to drill with him in a Brian or R.I.P. Brian Keck, a wrestling coach. He was over at Alliance, but before that, he was at Extreme Couture. And uh, I remember grappling with Steve Lopez then, and he was. I remember. I still. I still think about his. One of the things he gave me actually, when I'm snapping people down on a shoulder position, on uh, on a shoulder pr- pressure and position in conjunction with a chin strap, on a snap down, just little details you don't think about. And I just remember like you know, I was a much younger buck in my in my prime, uh, but I just remember just going, oh my god, like. I'm training with the USA. I better be fucking top notch. I better, you know, just, even as a drilling partner, just making sure, just like you're not fucking slacking and uh, and whatnot, and uh, holding the other guy back. And now he was super cool and was actually actually helping me and stuff. I remember I was like, oh wow, that was really cool. But you go back to those those fights where Jim Miller was fighting those dudes, um, and uh, he's going at leg kicks right there too. Even back then, like uh, you know, Jim Miller's always had underrated striking. Remember, I mean, I even rewatched him though he wasn't a southpaw, like the Dwayne Ludwig fight where he drops Dwayne. He submits Dwayne Ludwig, but he actually drops him with a stepping in right hook before that. Um, so Jim Miller's always been, 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 you know, much more competent than. I know he's on this later, later knockout run, but he's always, you know, uh, been a willing and competent and capable striker more than given credit for it, at least. Um, I didn't get to dissect Gabriel Benitez. 
as much as I wanted to, admittedly, because, again, I pulled up from that one with the DCMA and the Southpaw report. And Gabriel Benitez's Southpaw report's kind of weird, too, because he's technically 2-0, and but they're against, you know, and I want to be, like, a dick or whatever, but, like, you know, not the greatest guy, guys I rate very low. Like, Humberto Benda and I was one of the only lower guys I rated, I think, at a certain point at 145 than um, Claudio Poyas, right? I know Poyas has improved since I said that and briefly made me look dumb, only to turn out to be exactly, show to be exactly who I was talking about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then you got Charlie Ontiveros, who was just like, uh, you know, I want to respect a, you know, a dude going out there looking like a Yu-Gi-Oh character with a Taekwondo black belt. Now, I got love for that, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you want to talk about the, uh, you know, term glass cannon respectfully, right? Like, uh, oof. And, of course, both those guys, you know, just, just crumble early in, in emphatic fashion. Uh, so we don't really get to see the dual stance leg kicks. I think they only get to throw one leg kick apiece. And they both are credited with lands. And to be honest, again, and I say this all the time, like everybody's landing at a 90 to pretty much 100% clip, even like other people, like Billy Quarantillo, who aren't Southpaw, right? Like uh, I think he was 7 for 7. And like everybody's landing everything they throw. But like I always say, fight metric, you can just A, be outright wrong, and B, particularly with leg kicks, they don't really count checks. Um, and, you know, uh, Benitez doesn't have, you know, just because you're a good kicker doesn't mean you have the best kicking defense. You know, you're not, you, you know, in fact, you could be kind of taken by surprise by that almost, it seems like. Remember Gaethje Barbosa, where he's just like, Barbosa's like, oh shit, someone's actually taking it to me right back uh, in the leg kick department. It's almost that weird moment, right? Um, you know, maybe it's like that Spider-Man moment where they're pointing to each other and you've, it takes a minute for defense to click in, uh, but yeah. Um, so so I got to look a little more into that. But uh, yeah, from from what I remember, I mean, just in general, um, Benitez like a lot of southpaws, especially kickers. It's more the the distance insulation uh, and footwork um, is his most of his defense. A lot of his defense. Uh, he's really improved on the boxing. You know, he will slip and move more, and uh, had some has some, has had some underrated moments there. He rocked. Uh, Yusef before, uh, you know, which Yusef can't be rocked, obviously, but, like, you know, um, uh, he did rock Yusef before uh, getting finished there. So I don't want to, like, completely discredit, but, uh, you know, a lot of the insulation of the defense has been through uh, Benitez through his kicks, and that distance will be, you know, again, he's not going to have the open stance distancing. He's going to have a close stance guy who um, is aggressive with strikes, takedowns, pressure. It's the small cage, which is only going to encourage that. And I don't like the small cage for Benitez. I, I love the small cage for Jim. And even if I go to the tape and go, oh, wow, let's just say, let's be generous. Let's say Benitez is not even just half. Let's say 60%. Let's say 60% of the numbers are wrong. So instead of eating literally 95 to 100% of the leg kicks thrown his way, let's say Benitez maybe check 60% of those, right? Uh, even then, I still like it because what leg kicks do, leg kicks are like jabs, right? Um in the sense that if you want someone to jab you, you jab him. If you want someone to leg kick you, you leg kick him. And Jim is a guy who has the hardwired, especially if you go for his lead leg, whether you're southpaw or orthodox, he will reach down, grab, and parlay those easy takedowns, the catch kick takedowns, I call them. So even if Benitez is still the better kicker in that close stance and can defend Jim Miller's leg kicks, which he's outkicked people, even like you know the Dustin Poirier, which I know Dustin Poirier's not known for his kicks, but really, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
really has been on those early on. Even calf kicks, I believe. Someone's credited Jim Miller as one of the earlier guys really using those. Um, and, of course, even the debasing inside open stance kicks, um, Jim Miller's really good with as well. I have a post a little thread on that um, or a clip uh, of analysis on that. But, yeah, so I think at, at the very least he'll get Benitez to kick back with them, which is good because, uh, you know, between Jim Miller kicking to the fact that his close stance will close off the body and head kicks Benitez likes, it's almost going to, uh, what do you call, funnel. Um, you're almost like a, yeah, you're almost uh, there's a strategic word for it. Maybe funneling is still it, but, like, you want to um, choke point, you want to funnel him into a choke point, you know? And, uh, yeah, and as far as left crosses across the center line, uh, yeah, Jim Miller, you know, whether it's back again, um, you drop Steve Lopez around 2 at 221, um, early on, uh, uh, trading lefts with Poirier. Um, yeah, um, you know, his left crosses in both stances. Obviously, in open stance, guys, he's lighting dudes up all day um, with it. Uh, can do the pull counter, can come forward. Yeah, I mean, give me Jim Miller. He's going to go for the finish. Uh, Gabriel Benitez can be finished. Uh, it only seems to be getting worse as he's uh, been getting older. So, yeah, uh, I got Jim Miller there, and uh, I you know, probably uh, won't add it to my official slate. It'll probably be more something I'll just play uh, offline. I'll probably just be abusing his money line just personally because how many times are you going to get to bet Jim Miller? You know, maybe I'll bet it in the other houses. We'll see. But officially what's going down is what I bet and where my money's at right now, which is Miller inside the distance plus 145, 1.5 units. There we are. All right. Uh, sorry that was a bit long there. Uh, Ricky Simon Bato, uh, Mario Bautista plus 160. Um, so I got a bet on this fight, but uh, there's also like 1.5 fights left uh, to watch on like each, each side that I just want to touch up. Basically, um, I don't disagree with Simon being favored. I am kind of surprised to see money come in on him, but then as I'm watching tape, I'm like, okay, yeah. Because again, it's not so much that he doesn't deserve to be favored or money to come in, especially at the price that he was earlier. Wasn't he closer to minus 150? Um, it's that I remember, especially as someone who picked Simone against Yadon, picking against, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, the MMA gamblers are really big on. And I, I'm big on you. you know, I'm big on Yadon, too. Um, clip that. Uh, Jesus Christ. But, like, yeah, like, uh, but, you know, um, people not giving him a, a chance and then he didn't have, like, you know, the greatest showing, got stuck on the outside, eventually got finished. Thankfully, you know, uh, still cash the bet that we had, even though that was my official pick. Uh, I, I took a chance on Simone as an un Was he an underdog? Uh, I think I ended up just taking... I I wasn't that confident, clearly, because my, my main bet was um, under 4.5 rounds, which I felt was a great bet at minus 130. Um, you were kind of getting both sides of the coin there. And I uh, needed to end up thanking Song Yadong for saving that bet, because he was the one that cashed that for me. Uh, even though I pick Simone. So I figure maybe people would be down on that. Maybe that's just my own bias, right, that I talk about all the time. Because, again, I'm saying I'm not, you know, picking on anybody or this or that. I'm always raising my hand as well, reminding you guys, like, I'm guilty too. This is a human nature error. This isn't a this group, a you, a this person error. It's, it's a human nature thing, right? This ref is the worst person in the world. It's like, no, no. They made a mistake because they're human. And not only that, human nature is you might overcorrect the steering wheel you might actually make another mistake the other direction because I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying you should like it right I'm just saying it's, it's human fucking nature what are you gonna do um, so you know maybe it's my own bias there right 
but uh, Simone is the favorite. Here's what I like in this fight, and um, this, as well as Jim Miller, were, were things that I, I was thinking about maybe circling for my my, my best bets. But uh, my colleagues already have some 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 uh, ang- good good angles uh, that they feel strong about. So perhaps my my best bet may be lower on in the card. I'll, I'll give that to you guys though here. Um, either way, uh, but uh, and all these bets, by the way, are the same confidence rate. And they're over a unit for what that's worth, which means it's very confident for me. I know 1.5 units isn't a big boy bet for most people. But for me, it's like, oh, boy, I feel like I'm laying a lot out there. It really changes my options for how much I like to limit myself for each card, so on and so forth. But I just like the fight. This go, this fight goes the distance. Um, I got it at minus 145. I put 1.5 units on it. What did it open as? Um, fight goes the decision. Let's see what it opened as. I don't know if it's gonna load for me because most of these things aren't. But yeah, um, I, I don't think it loaded. I don't think it opened too far from this, and it's in playable chalk territory. Uh, you don't gotta worry about leaning heavy chalk there, even though Batista seems very attractive. I feel like um, a lot of his striking, whether it's a ceiling that is there, or what I suspect more. Not that there's some like huge ceiling to be uncracked of potential. I'm not saying that you know he can't. Obviously, I'm not going to doubt a human being's capabilities, but I do wonder if it's more of a self-imposed ceiling, right? You know, uh, with the Trevin after the Trevin Jones slip up, um, and and the fact that you know he always had that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, always came from a good Jiu-Jitsu camp with a good Jiu-Jitsu coach and John Crouch. But you got the underrated wrestling, which is usually used in defense from that camp, right? With their get-ups. But we're seeing him do, you know, his own uh, 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 Mario uh, Magomedov, right? Um, impression out there, when, when he can at least. A lot of against the cage, uh, grinding on the ground. Simone's a very hard guy to do that with, with his scrambling, his takedown defense. He's, a Braz- he's actually a higher Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt rank. Um, and is trained at, you know, uh, trains and has trained at good schools, whether MMA grapplers like Timo Yama when he trained with them, or, you know, Fabio Scherner, uh, American top team, Portland. A lot of wrestlers and Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts is primarily the the group from what I what I gather. Um, so unless he gets like a club and sub kind of a deal, like you saw in the regionals, what was that, Titan against, Titan FC against uh, Anderson DeSantos kind of a deal, I believe, memory serves. Um, unless it's like a club and sub scenario, then I don't know if uh, Simone's getting subbed. And again, his chin, you know, uh, he can get popped off too, right? He's got a button definitely. I mean, everybody does, but, yeah, you know, we've seen it in fights just like Bautista, right? So they both could finish each other. Uh, although I would say, again, because of Bautista's styling and trending, that drops dramatically less for... Simone and Simone has more of the chance, and we've seen him like against Hani Yaya uh, have more of a disciplined style as well, where he can you know shuck takedowns if Batista comes in with that mindset, right? Uh, Simone can uh, you know and he he's been watching tape and stuff, listening to interviews. He's a big tape guy, um, you know, uh, you know if he's having success in the striking and can shut wrestling down, then he's gonna press that advantage for the rest of the fight, right? Um, but at the same time, both these guys will will grapple a bit as well too. You know, um, 
and I don't know if Bautista's as game over as like a yaya where it's as clear. So who knows, Simone might reverse him and, and maybe grapple with him a bit. But again, Bautista comes from a good camp uh, that has good get-ups. Basically, you can keep talking yourself in circles here, right? And the way I... Okay, well, if this guy does this, he goes in. This guy has this. Well, this guy has... The way it kind of balances out with these two guys' skill sets, even in the small cage, it's going to encourage the more action. I also like that it's also going to encourage the more grappling. And in a lot of those shakeups, depending on who's taking initiative, who's trying to be defensive, so on and so forth, how much the other person wants to humor it or not at all, in all scenarios, I feel like, not all, because obviously, you know, this fight could be finished in multiple ways. It's an MMA fight. But I do feel like most roads, at least in my head, are leading to a decision, man. And if you don't got to sweat aside, um, you know, you get plus money even if you want to pick Ricky Simone by decision. Simone Vato. Um, you could do that, maybe, you know. But uh, it's not sexy enough for me to want to put my round robin. I'm already got enough exposure on this card. Um, I figure why not sweat this aside. Let's play fight goes to decision. So that's what I did there. And I'm leaning toward Simone. Um, you know. But as far as a few more technical stuff to scratch my curiosities, I still want to kind of watch a little bit more on that fight, but that is that is where I'm pretty confident it's going to be going. Um, this one I didn't really look into too much. Bruno Fajeda, minus 125. Phil Hogs, plus 105. Um, wow, Hogs opened up at minus 2. You can play Hogs out of principle right now because he is, um, he is a dog and he opened up as a 2-1 to one favorite, right? But this fight's going to be crazy. I, I, I'm going to stay away, man. Um, I'll probably pick Fedeta, even though it's a small cage. Less room for him to bounce around in. You know, more room to run into Hawes, even though Hawes comes from the wrestling base. Has shown some good stuff in the clinch, believe it or not, despite getting finished often in and out of breaks as well. Um, yeah, it's that in and out of break, in and out of the breaks part, the collisions. I just feel like there's just, ah. I mean, I, I used the word glass cannon earlier, I mean. Jeez, is that the word of the day, right? Um, so, yeah, don't be surprised if I pick Fajeda, but it doesn't really matter who you pick on that card. It's going to be a finish, and the odds makers know it, and they, they priced you out. You know, you're pretty much priced out of this one unless you want to take the value uh, principal shot, however you want to put it, on Phil Hawes. All right, I'm going to catch up on the chat before I knock out the rest of the prelims. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, or cop won the first one. Yeah, it's it's you can totally make that uh, argument uh, that he won. Uh, one judge scored it his way, um, but again, it's just a fight that could go either way. And uh, the only reason I'm not trying to shit on people who who are ardent about that, but like I said in my article, it is really dangerous to be really confident about a flyweight fight, much less a flyweight fight between two dudes who are top level, much less a flyweight fight. Between two dudes who are top level who have counter-striking styles because that makes for a volatile fight. Much less two dudes who are top level who are counter-strikers who we already saw fight in a volatile fight. Let's just call it for what it is. And, uh, hey, I'm on the cop side too, so, hey, hopefully we cash. Uh, Ronan Curtis. Um, how much do you think the small cage changes the dynamic of a fight generally? Very interesting for fighters who like using space. Yeah, um, like, you know, for a Thompson... A not just a striker, but a striker who likes to play on the outside, use footwork, not great, right? Um, for a pressure grappler, who maybe I have a play in on the prelims, you know, the superior submission grapplers, the superior wrestlers, um, I always say it favors them uh, most, you know, as far as that goes. Does that mean I always pick them? Does it mean they're always going to win? 
Of course not, folks, but those are nice little markers uh, to answer your question, Ronan Curtis. Rain Lamina, how good is Bautista's clinch? He, he's able to get separation on the underhook side uh, to get elbows. Yeah, that's something I want to look more into as far as his clinch goes, but the thing is, I just don't know if he's going to get enough time to work the clinch because Ricky Simone's separations in the open against the fence in the clinch um, are generally really good. The dude is just a, a powerhouse um, to really control. James Kendrick, will it be difficult for Simone to level change because of the rear knees that Bautista shows? You know, that is one of the things... For sure, um, especially with the size difference, you know, that's going to be something, because uh, Bautista is a really big bantamweight. Now, Simone's really experienced, so I imagine he is, he, he's he's seen it, but um, like I was saying, you don't really see Bautista as liberal with the strikes, his knees and stuff. Like, when he was first coming on the scene against, like, Sanhagen and stuff, like, he was, like, throwing all that stuff like crazy, but you really don't... Um, you really don't see it too much. Uh, Jack Shore, that's where we fought a tall guy in Jack Shore and like club and subbed him. Um, that's the one. I, that's one of the ones I want to go back and watch. Uh, uh, to be honest, but other than that, yeah, he's fought. Uh, that's that's why I wanted to watch it because yeah, other than that, he's fought pretty much a bunch of shorter people other than uh, Montel Jackson, uh, who he who he beat. So again, um, you know, size not an issue, but it's that shot selection. So your head's in the right place. Um, your head's in the right place, James. Your head's in the right place there. All right, I'm going to push on to the prelims. Headlined by Andre Arlovsky, plus 500. Waldo Cortez Acosta, minus 700. Uh, I get why Cortez Acosta is favored, but this much is just stupid. Um, uh, this is I rarely do this, but why the fuck not? Who cares? Um, if I bet it, you know, I'm not going to be telling people to bet it, so it's not going to be posted. But uh, if I'm at the counter and they got Arlovsky for plus 500... Or higher, uh, you bet I'm putting a ducket on that, man. Uh, a nice healthy unit ducket. Uh, uh, and I'll probably just pick him for shits and giggles because it's freaking heavyweight. I know uh, Arlovsky could definitely get iced, but uh, if Waldo or Tesca Costa's robotic, predictable um, come forward uh, attacks uh, don't show a significant edge over Arlovsky in that first round, then I'd, I'll trust Orlovsky to just kind of dance around and make this fucking ugly. Um, I definitely would throw Orlovsky in that stupid round robin where you just put a bunch of big value dogs that you don't think, um, that you don't think, uh, you know, maybe you don't think will hit, but, you know, they could. Um, he's definitely someone I would throw in there. But at the same time, even though I'm a big Orlovsky fan, like I was kind of hinting, like, you won't realize I was a Orlovsky fan before I was a Miller fan. I was an Orlovsky fan. I don't know before I was a Penn fan, but right around the same time because I was a tough noob, right? And during the tough noob thing, like BJ was out of the UFC. My bass player was saying, like, dude, you like, you know, you know, he got me into like the pride and stuff, which you know BJ wasn't. Uh, he never fought for that organization because he was a big. So he got me into like Crow Cop. Because um, I was a tough noob, I liked Florian. So that was a weird thing, right? People don't expect, like, well, you technically liked Florian before Penn. Believe it or not, I was a Kenny Florian fan before BJ Penn. And as well as Andre Arlovsky, because around this time, you also have, like, what was it like? Was it Raquel Leah, Inside Access or whatever? It was, like, it was before prime time. It was before the countdown, right? They would just have, like, Inside Access shows. 
And of course, it was usually like about heavyweights or light heavyweights because it was like the Mickey's get drunk and hit people era. And uh, it was like Orlovsky in Chicago, like eating steak and eggs and going to a Sambo place and then like going for a run with Maximus. Like it was, and I just remember like, oh, this is awesome. Like, and like because um, I already saw Orlovsky like Sylvia 2 or something, I want to say. Like I ordered it. I think I ordered it late, like the night of. Like it was like a work thing at like the Paris, like this construction company I worked for back in like two thousand five or four. I don't know, I forget. But yeah, I ended up like ordering. I'm like, ooh, UFC. Um, ooh, Navy Seals. Sorry, <laughs> clerks there. But yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm an OG Orlovsky guy, man. So don't take me too seriously here. Obviously, Waldo or Cortez Acosta is probably gonna win. Should he be minus seven hundred? No, this is MMA, so I owe you no explanation. I'm taking Orlovsky. Um, next, well, we got member of the fantasy Jew- fantasy Jewish fight league, Semmelsberger, minus one twenty five versus uh, Preston Parsons, plus one hundred five. Um, so part of me was surprised that Semmelsberger was not favored, not a lot more, but not slightly more, and more surprised that you know maybe this could have been a fair opener, but like I would have figured, being the more experienced guy, recognizable name. Um, money would have come in on Semi the Jedi. But it didn't. Money's been coming in on Parsons, and I almost missed the boat. Um, I was I, I, I clicked on the plus 110, and it was gone, and I was only able to get plus 105. Now it's like minus 105 in some places. So, um, And I'm trying to be smarter. I was stupid. I would like double and triple. I'm, I'm already kind of – I already tend to double up with what I play untracked, you know, at the actual Vegas counters, much less at these offshore houses. There's no need to double up on houses unless I'm really – feeling a feeling bullish and getting an even better number than what i got then maybe i can you know rebuy in and again that's not going on my record good it's not going on my record uh bad uh, but still going on my record uh, as the play that it is you know um, but uh but yeah you know um but yeah like if there's just no need to like you know oh i have to play everything every not that i would do that every time or but you know even just two out of the three houses was stupid because I would see numbers and stuff like, ooh. Um, like, no, let's let's be a little smarter, Dan. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I was only able to get it in one house, but that's all I need to be able to justify putting it down on paper, which I did. Preston Parsons plus 105 one unit. Uh, again, Thier, you ask for miracles, I give you the FBI. Uh, no, um, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a fucking miracle or not. We'll see. But, no, uh, what was it, James, in the chat earlier asked, asked what, what fighter. This is one I hinted toward. Um, you know, say what you will about Parsons. He's, he's got a new boxing coach. He knows what he needs to improve from his Giles fight. He took appropriate time off. Uh, even though a lot of that damage he was talking about actually came from blowing his nose in the corner. That's where a lot of that swelling came from. And if you go back and watch the fight, not only was it one of the better Giles fights, which says something I know, but it actually really was one of the better Giles fights. Um, there's a good argument for Parsons winning. Not that he should have won. I'm not going to be like, hey, he won that fight or should have won that fight. Like, uh, it was a split decision, and for good reason. Um, but you're in Texas, and uh, the high-level judge, I know Sal Delmato gets a lot of shit just because he's always a name that's out there, but uh, I consider him a high-level judge. He's one of the highest level. He's the, the most working judge. Um, he was the only recognizable name on that slate, and he's the one that gave it to Preston Parsons for what it's worth. Um the Texas local judges went the other way, including Jacob Montalvo, who when they're reading the scores, I, I saw this one one other time and I hate and it and it was the same thing too, where it was like it was a local judge too. 
and you know like um there'll be that thing where like a fighter knows they won and usually it's one where it's like really bad where it's like it should have been a split it should be unanimous decision and they go and whether they catch up they'll be like the first judge has it for them you know with this person and immediately whether it's for them or the other person they know it's a setup for a split so you'll see the fighter start shaking their head right like what's this right and then so when it gets to the time to the clutching third scorecard that fighter who was shaking their head because they know they won they're going like this and then they start nodding their head like yeah I won I won right that I get oh Benji you having a nightmare buddy it's okay that I get um when they're nodding their head right but that's not what Trevin Giles was doing it was a legit close fight where neither of them knew um, they won if anybody was doing that head nod mood it was Preston Parsons because they just called his name as the second card and he's like yeah yeah I got a chance at this yes right and uh, so now and then and then Giles and, right we're, we're, so he's feeling good after the uh, going into the last going into the the river right going into fifth street um, you know the the final card right whereas Giles is actually feeling nervous but then they say Jacob Montalvo who again is a local guy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt I believe has a school I like Montavo. I'm not going to try to cast aspersions. Texas already gets it enough. Hatley already brought enough heat on them, all right? I don't need to be coming down on the dude who, who looks like an extra from American Me out there, all right? But I'm just saying, Jay Giles, Texas, was also the recipient of another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt official who he was out of school, was connected to, as well as an official, Joe Solis, right? And this this already happened at this point in time, so this really looks bad. And I don't, uh, so even if it's nothing, and Giles just didn't mean to do it, it really looks bad in hindsight because you look at it, and they go, and the third judge, Jacob Montalvo, and Giles goes, yeah, I got it, I fucking got it. Like he knew he got it, and I've seen that before, and it was a similar thing where it was a questionable card, could have gone either way, don't get me wrong, but it could have gone either way, and the clutching judging scorecard was a local judge with local ties to the martial arts scene. Possibly the fighter. You never know. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Um, the point is, I, I like what I'm hearing from Parsons. Uh, I trained with Parsons back in the day, before his fight with Mike Perry on the regionals. He was out training with uh, my coach, Neil Melanson, who was out at Alliance MMA, where Neil and the previously mentioned wrestling coach of mine, Brian Keck, moved out to. Um roughly 10 years ago now this was almost yeah this was like summer 2014 2015 or some shit and uh yeah so i've had my eye on on preston since then um just a just a beast you know again uh his damage definitely invite his style definitely invites damage um he is going to need to make some improvements there because he can't hit some right hands you know he's been stopped by d-rod even d-rod's a southpaw granted but you know what? Um, he was more durable than what I realized even, too. And I knew he was durable. I mean, he took a lot of shots. Even that Mike Perry, I mean, he takes, like, knees to the head and just a bunch of shit uh, before he actually goes down. He's a durable kid. He's a tank. I saw him taking shots again. You know, I've shared this story before. Watching him in the pro practices at Alliance uh, going with a prime Jeremy Stevens. Like, Jeremy Stevens just fucking took this kid to task. Like, it was like, it was like a... It was one of those sparring sessions that looked like a real fight, most that I can remember. And that was Jeremy Stevens at Alliance uh, with Preston Parsons. And he was just taking it from Jeremy Stevens and coming forward. And, yeah, it's not a good thing to do, you know. Uh, again, he's improved since then. And hopefully he's improved even more since his last fight. But 
you know, underdogs, people who fight for your money. When I talk to that, that's a dude that'll fight for your money. How durable is he? Is he durable as a Pantoja? You know, maybe not, right? Obviously, he's been stopped. Pantoja hasn't yet, right? But, like, um, you look at even, like, and, and that's the thing, you know, Jay Giles, you know, he gets crapped on for his record or whatever. But you forget that, A, how big he is. I know he was a smaller light heavyweight, but that, that's where he started, right? Uh, and, and the dude's an athlete. He is an athlete. You know, you, you don't, he doesn't really do that justice the way he fights. You know, he's got some guillotine and finishes, got some jabs and some more finesse shots on the feet, right, when he sets it up. But he hits hard. He's an athlete. Like, he played football, like, actually collegiate level, I believe, and stuff. Like, he's an actual athlete and a big guy for that division. And he hits Parsons with some really right-on-right right hands, and um, Parsons just doesn't blink, keeps coming. And even when he's tired and took, takes the most damage, he comes out in round three when the doctor, after the doctor takes a look at his eyes, he comes out in round three and really lays it on him for that first three minutes of round three. In my opinion, there's enough to win the round, but the bad, the fact was a lot of his strikes were on the ground, to the body, to the legs, in the clinch, and off the counter. Whereas Giles's were clean, head-snapping jabs while... Parsons' eyes were already damaged, and even though judges are supposed to be trained to disregard that damage from prior rounds to adjudicate it as fairly as possible on what's actually landing and having an effect, not what they look like, it's still bad optics. He loses the round, right? Um, on two of the judges' cards, I should say. Um, not the most high-level judge, Sal, who scored it right. And not just to be like a dick, but like also to give I want to give credit to Sal there because he just gets fucking shit on all the time. Even people just like hear his name, right? Um, and you look at uh, Semi the Jedi, um, you know, he's really strong and whatnot, but like, has he fought a guy who's dedicated like that? It's like he fought, he's fought guys who's had parts of his games. He's fought like more muscle guys like AJ Fletch, Fletcher, who, you know, can have a takedown and do stuff on top, but again, Fletcher obviously has shown he's not as reliable, much more shorter reach, shorter stout, uh, as his own issues have kind of, you know, sorted themselves out. Um, Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews, who's not like, you know, the most reliable fighter, right? Um, has fallen in love with his hands, especially during the stretch in which he fought Semmelsberger. And was still actually doing good against Semmelsberger, but then just gets keeps on getting rocked at the very end of rounds by that classic right hand, right? Uh, I think, but I, I, I like the breed Parson has. I think that right hand will open up uh, shot opportunities for Parsons. And again, Parsons won't be facing like Giles in the big cage. He's going to be back in the small cage. And I just think it's a bad matchup for uh, for Semmelsberger, who is also, um, I believe, he's taking this fight on short notice too. And the guy he was replacing um, was uh, Hafez, who was a much better wrestler, who also has a big right hand. So that's kind of like the perfect matchup. You're already training for the big right hand and making sure your wrestling's like doubly sharp because you might not have as clear an advantage as you normally do as Preston Parsons. Uh, and now you're already training for the danger zone, except your advantage zone, just arguably, at least on paper, has widened. Does it mean he's going to win? I don't know. But I got one unit on Preston Parsons at plus 105. And uh, if his submission price holds over north of plus 300, it's like you can find a neighbor at plus 350 to plus 380 right now, um, then I'm also, that's probably going to be my prop squad. I don't want to, like, Double, I mean, I've got some 1.5 unit plays, so if I have to do like one in a Scotty Pippen, I'm still under 1.5 and still not the craziest exposure for Parsons. I do genuinely think that's his most likely way to win, hence why 
it's going to be I'm playing him and that's why it's going to be my pop squad pick but yeah uh, part but maybe I just you know since I'm already on his money line maybe um, you know I'm still on him it's still roughly like the same exposure as a .33 unit I just put him in my uh, what do you call it my round robin right so I, or maybe I have Parson Sub um Maybe Cop KO, Miller round one, Dagestani Stipe round two. Like, that's kind of what it's roughly looking like in my head. I don't feel great about it. I honestly um, feel better about, you know, uh, putting, you know, like Walker, Nikolau, um, Arlovsky, and we'll get to it, but uh, spoiler alert, Mata. Um, like all on like a round robin and just hope like two of those dudes pull it out and uh, pays pretty decently and it pays it off but pays pretty decently so we'll see who knows we'll, we'll see where I end up but yeah um, I'm going to blow through the rest of these I didn't do any tape study on Marcus McGee minus 225 versus Gaston Boyanos um, we'll see where I end up do I end up on the guy who looks like uh, Drexel from uh, True Romance or uh, Gaston Boyanos uh the Peruvian Muay Thai uh, South American slash uh, uh, with some world world champion accolades. I always be feel weird with kickboxing and Muay Thai accolades. They're all kind of weird, right? Um, but this one opened near even odds with McGee a slight favorite, and, and people really like uh, the Maniac. So, interesting, interesting. Um, this one I was looking at for the by decision stuff before ending up on the Batista Simone Vato one. It was originally was Farid Basharat minus 278, Taylor Lapolis plus 225, but they're already on that, and it's like minus 150 chalk price just to play like a Basharat by decision prop because that's what I was going to be looking to play. Hopefully for plus money, maybe a higher for prop, but no, no, they, they already knew where that was going for sure. But yeah, I'm in a small cage. Um, drillers make killers. I just think that, you know, I think Farid's going to be able to uh, wrestle and wrestle as well as score more and put more out there to score uh, for the judges. Um, John Silva, I don't know why who this person is and why they're minus nine fifty against Weston Wilson plus six twenty five. I mean, I get I, I get why Weston Wilson would be on on, on opposite odds like this, but I got to refresh myself on John Silva. Not that it's really going to matter. Not that it seems to matter. Not that you can really play it because it seems like you're priced out for the gamblers who are watching. Uh, of course, uh, Tom Nolan a minus three forty five. Nicholas Mata plus two seventy five. Uh, of course, uh, Mod is an extreme couture guy. Um, you know, I don't know him personally or whatever, but you know, you can say whatever bias is there. But uh, I always feel like there's value on him. He's just a, a, a cool, a cool action fighter um, who has, you know, you know, his own issues, especially at range that he has to shore up. But uh, yeah, he's just a do or die dude. It's not a guy I'm going to tell you to go bet on or whatever. But uh, you know, if I'm looking for a, you know bunch of dogs who are going to go out there and at least fight for it in the chaos of the small cage. I know this guy, like I told you, um, the Monday after his loss or the Sunday after his loss, even when the gym was closed on New Year's Day or the day of New Year's Eve or Christmas or whatever what it was, I saw him in there. Mata just hitting the treadmill, just getting back to work, trying to just do what he can. So this dude's motivated. Um, but <clears throat> Tom Nolan, you got the 6-0. and you know, four finishes, coming off the contender series round one. You know, it looks looks good, kind of a deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, I get it. He's coming over from Australia. We'll see. Um, but yeah, um, I'll probably pick Mata, knowing that you know 
like the Arlovsky thing. You know what I'm saying? Like Nolan is the deserved favorite, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward Mata. We'll see. Um, lastly, but not leastly, Joshua Van minus two fifty eight. Uh, Felipe Bunez plus two ten. So Van is actually um, taking this fight on semi short notice. Let me see here. Uh, uh, however, unlike the other changeup, this was a completely different fight. He was uh, he's stepping in for Bondar. So Bunez was getting ready for Bondar. Bunez was supposed to debut earlier, but I believe he got sick or something. Um, let's see here. Boom. Alright, it looks like uh, It looks like roughly three weeks he had For this one um, But he is coming right off of a Coming right off a fight He's young, staying active um, That is uh, Joshua Joshua Van um, Sorry, I don't know why I didn't look up this part of it Yeah, November 11th I was I was digging into uh, Felipe Bina's tape before this though um, so I like Felipe Bunez. Maybe it's that weird hat that he wears in his uh, topology profile. Uh, but uh, he reminds me of Alberto Mina. You know, this guy's not just a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's a second-degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt for whatever that's worth. But uh, really falling in love with the strikes, taking that, you know, Pedro Minas, uh, Charles Oliveira approach. Jesus. Sorry about the dogs, folks. They're just savages over here. Um even Alberto Mina, who I actually referenced, who was brushing up his striking, right, like quietly, and would just be like a wild man, throw some flying knees. Alberto Mina would do the same. This guy likes to throw the flying knees. He'll throw spinning stuff. Some of it's good when he's actually, like, guys are actually corralling. He'll throw it at the right times, like when I like to throw mine. But a lot of times I notice he'll just throw it nakedly and alone, which is kind of dangerous. Now, he's not facing a hard takedown threat like Joshua Vans on, like, a hard takedown threat. But again still eat a hard punch or a hard uh, you know, uh, leaping in hook for spinning at a bad time like that um, and he is 5'7", he's going to have a deceptive amount of reach he's got the 6, he's right at the 6 inch mark, right, so you got Joshua Van at 65 inches of reach, whereas um, Bunez is 71 inches of reach, and and he throw again, even though it might not be the most crisp or the most planned things at range, he will spam a bunch of stuff out at range, that being said his kick defense isn't great if Joshua Van wants to further develop that, Joshua Van does have some decent kicks, even though he obviously, you know, uh, really synonymous with this with his hands and that body work and his left hooks. Um, but the thing is, you know, Bunez, even though he's a range guy, one of his favorite shots is his left hook, and he even like call, I guess he even called his shot of his last his last uh, knockout over Yuma Horiuchi, um, who he was technically the first person to stop that guy. But the guy is nine and five, and uh, was known for having a style of taking a lot of shots early. So that kind of wasn't necessarily a surprise. He was a, more of a slow plotting guy, and even that guy actually was able to hurt um, Bunez with a right hand that like Joshua Van would have found five times over at that point of the fight. Um, so that's something to note, right? I mean, even this guy Bunez, he's been fighting for like twelve or thirteen years as a pro. He is 34 years old as a flyweight, you know, um, as a debuting flyweight. So he's not the youngest guy either. And I'm not an ageist, uh, you know, but I do, you know, I do got to point that out. Uh, and, uh, you know, something else, you know, he said, you know, he likes his left hook. He called his shot. And he did end up, you know, despite getting rocked by uh, Horuchi. Uh, um, what's his name? 
Horiyuchi, yeah. Uh, despite getting rocked by Horiyuchi, was able to hit him with that. But that was the thing, you know, always be careful hooking with the hooker or guys when that's their shot and they go in confident because, you know, uh, shout out to my guy Fenio who pointed out uh, Borjas, uh, left hooks and left hooks to the body even, was like his shot, right, going into that Van fight. And Van was the one getting the better of the, you know, uh, they were going back and forth with the body work, but Van was, you know, arguably getting better, better of the exchanges, the hooks. So that whole hooking with a hooker thing can be really dangerous, you know. Um, Dan Hardy was arguably more known for his left hook than Carlos Condit was. Maybe even still, right? He had that Rory Markham knockout on his record when they met uh, back in England post uh, Dan Hardy's uh, title bid against GSP, right? And Carlos Condit comes out and they have that, that, that hooking exchange. Um, so yeah, it's only going to encourage, and then the the length and stuff and the the action. That's only going to encourage Van to get on the inside more. Um, you know, Van has been subbed out before earlier in his career. Um, you know, he doesn't have a doesn't look like he trains really in the gi or has ranks to his name, but then has you know submissions in his back pocket, and just the way he moves and stuff as a flyweight. I mean, these guys are good at everything, so it's not like. You know, this guy's not schooled on the ground and whatnot. Uh, I think it's going to have to be more... From what I've seen of the, Felipe Bunez's wrestling, it's not good enough to where... I, if Bunez, I'm not saying he can't sub Van, obviously. It's a fight. Anything can happen. But I think it's going to have to be more off of a club and sub type of deal. But between Van's durability, gas tank, um, counter-wrestling and scrambling abilities that I've seen, uh, I, I do think it's good enough. And I think we're just going to get a firefight. I think the odds makers are right. It's weird. You know, to see the, um, I believe the under is pretty juiced up. Usually, you get plus money on flyweight unders, right? But even the odds makers are pretty much in agreement with this one that it's a. Uh, oh no, it's plus under. No, yeah, under two rounds is minus one fifty. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more than likely going to end inside the distance. We'll see. But uh, that's that's my thing. I actually played Van inside the distance plus. I got a crappier number on it. You can get a better number than this. Um, but again, I only have one house that offers inside the distance line. Otherwise, I have to choose Parker. First choose Parker of 2024. It was a terrible one. Um, but yeah, I, I took Van inside the distance. Um, I think my teammates are circling in on uh, angles for Bautista, the Bautista Simon Vato and Jim Millerson. Um, so because of that, don't be surprised to see Van as my best bet, but don't fret um, for what it's worth. Can't guarantee you guys winners or anything, but as far as my confidence level, putting my money where my mouth is, yes, not only do I actually put my money where my mouth is, unlike, 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 unlike you know, I guess some, and I'm not trying to like throw shade specifically, it's just a well-known thing. Not everybody does that. I actually do for what it's worth. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I put the 1.5 unit, which is a confident one for me, and matches the confidence, so I'm not just talking out of my ass, of the Miller inside the distance bet and the Simon Vato Batista goes the distance bet. Uh, Van, plus 125, 1.5 units. Uh, there. That wraps up. Wow. Lengthy breakdown, probably. 125, yeah. Lengthy breakdown. Wow. I'm going to get to you guys, and I'm going to recap, okay? Ba-da-ba-bum. Let's go to the chat. Where do we leave off? Answer you guys there. Again, I answer you guys regardless, but uh, whether it's live, you can always hit the super chats, or uh, if you uh, do hit, and uh, we have this uh, good year that I believe we're manifesting. Not going to use the D word, deserve it, do. Those things don't, uh, you know, those things don't exist in life. But if I had like a crazy year, 
would anybody complain? Would anybody uh, blink an eye? You know, would anybody say that doesn't seem right? That doesn't seem fair. I don't, I don't think you can say that for what it's worth. So, if we do start kicking butt, uh, you can always you know go back and uh, hit the donate there. But let's see uh, what you guys have in the chat. I, I will talk to you guys either way. I am just grateful you guys are here. Um, let's see. Uh, general question, Rios is in Truesdale. How would you rate this card in a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of entertainment value? I mean, entertainment value, we don't know until it happens. On paper value, it's hard. It's like, alone, I would rate it probably a 5 or a 6, right? Uh, within the context of Apex Fight Night cards on what we sh should be used to from the pandemic era the contender series era, the new business model era, the content era, ESPN era. Within that context, maybe a point or two up. Maybe you go for a fight night apex level card. Maybe you go uh, six to seven instead of five to six. And you could probably go maybe half a point higher. Maybe I'm being too stingy. Maybe I'm being too generous. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think. Am um, I being too cruel there? Yeah, that's my answer for you, sir. Uh, Synchro Wing, hey Dan, I got to the show late, but happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Uh, Synchro says, is men's flyweight one of the most volatile divisions, but also exciting? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, it's not stacked because we're getting rematch city, but rematches are also volatile as well, so that kind of arguably adds to the volatility, right? Yeah. Um, I would say anybody can beat anybody, you know? That's the thing, you know? Um, that's why I was kind of bummed that like Pantoja didn't get a lot of love. Like I'm glad I went hard for the, I, the fighter of the year. I didn't even hear him getting nominations. It was crazy. Like I didn't. It, I as crazy as it was that Pantoja didn't get any even nominations, much less fighter of the years from really anybody else that I heard besides me and Fenyo. Um, what's even crazier is that not just that his fight with Brandon Moreno didn't get fight of the year because there's other fights you can make arguments for. But there's no way that that's not like top three, much less top five, much less just in your fucking nominees no matter how many numbers, whether they win or not. And I feel like I heard Moreno Pantoja at UFC 10, 290 and maybe like 20% of the fight of the year talk, which was really fucking disappointing. And what's even more disappointing than either of those two, maybe even both of those two put together was that not only did UFC 290 not win card of the year for some for some shows that I listened to was that I didn't even hear it mentioned in some of the shows it was only mentioned in like half the shows and the half the shows that it was mentioned it was like oh yeah UFC 290 was good like no like not a, I don't even see what other card is fucking close I do not want to see other... Unless you get off on people almost dying in the octagon, you can make an excuse for, like, UFC Austin because of all the finishes. You're like, I love old man getting executed. I fucking tie a rope to my neck like I'm David Carradine. I go to town or whatever. Like, okay, okay, maybe then. But, like, how the fuck do you not... Even if you don't pick UFC 90, go, UFC 90 is the clear choice. It's right up there. It was this close, but not even that. It was like, oh, yeah, UFC 290, if they mentioned it. Did y'all hear that too? You guys are more listeners of podcasts than I am. Did that blow you away? The the Pantoja, Pantoja Moreno, uh, UFC 290, all those three levels of disrespect at the end of the year? How the fuck? 
That was fucking upsetting. Sorry, late tangent. Let me know if I'm crazy there too, please, in the chat before we get out of here. Jimmy Kudo, uh, as for sh- as short notice fights, extremely volatile, or is it dependent on who is like Emmett versus Mitchell? Uh, you discussed last week, short notice. Uh, it depends on who it is, and then again, I mean, who knows? You know, sometimes you just get weird things. Like, what was it, the Tom Aspinall? What is it? He had like he could barely. Um, move his back or something or whatever, right? And, like, grappling, I picked him by sub, right? You know, I uh, had him by sub uh, and whatnot. But, like, uh, I had him inside the distance, actually. But I had him by sub and a round robin, which would have paid huge. We still won that night, not complaining. Uh, but, yeah, like, you'll just get weird. I mean, just short notice is just super volatile, you know? Um, and matchups do play, play a factor, obviously. But uh, even then, man, there's no... There's no sure shot. It's not that you're saying there is one, but just trying to answer your question as best I can, Mr. Kudo. Rain Lamina. Is Gaston Boyano striking not that good? I saw his last fight and with Phillips, and he was overextending every time he threw his rear hand. I didn't go back to watch. I missed that fight, honestly, live, and I didn't go back to watch it for this one. So I apologize. I don't have much that I can add to you um, for this one. Um and I, I think he's training with CSA for this one, but I don't, I don't know where you're training. Was he training there with the last one? They're, 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 I gotta look into to get guess on Milano's more. They're like tacking him on in these bottom of these cards, and I keep missing him here. So I apologize, Rain and the listeners. James Kendrick, Joshua Van is MMA ecosystem favorite and a PYN favorite. Yes, he is. I loved his performance against Borjas. Yep. And again. Say what you want, my analysis or bets last year. Again, the the prospects were good last year, and Josh Van was one of them. He was a part of that. And again, uh, my prospects are winning a majority of the time on these lists, and when they do win, over half the time it's by finish. So, playing a favorite from that list and Josh Van to win by finish, I mean, we could do worse. You know, we'll see. Hopefully, we didn't jinx the man here. Synchro Wing, I got a fun fact for you about Bunez that I learned uh, from Ghost a few years back. He was Whaley main sparring partner for Rose 2. He's been a fight-ready slash pitbull partner. Oh, that makes sense. I knew he was a pitbull guy, but I didn't realize uh, how much time he f- spent at fight-ready, which makes sense. I mean, because, again, there's a connection with that gym. Um, even on the LFA fights, back to watch, you know, you see um, Eric Albahasin in his corner. Uh, even for his fight against the fight before. He went to a split, by the way. The guy who was, like, 40 years old and, like, 500 and 500, like a 20 and 20 kind of 500-500 record. And the guy looked like an older Edson Barbosa. You look athletic as hell, but I mean, you know, um, yeah, Bunez is, it's strange. It's like he's been, <clears throat> you could argue he should have been at this level already to see him flushed out, whereas Van kind of, well, he didn't kind of, he did get get pushed fast because he was already a young guy to be on Contender Series and then got like kind of like a Felipe Dos Santos to cop kind of a deal. Um, he got thrown into the deep end, except he actually beat uh, a legit guy and, and ZZ Bottom, Zhaguzhi uh, Magulov. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, it is kind of just kind of a funny dynamic there, and we'll see how the and now they're gonna cross uh, crossover, right? So yeah, uh, Jin Karasu, how do odds makers make odds? I know, strange question, but I'm really curious. Um, I would like to ask ask them as well because I'm sure they all have slightly different methods. Um, as well as checks and balances that we don't have when we're doing our own arbitrary odds in our head. Um, but it's probably also a lot simpler than maybe how I break down a fight because I'm really weird, OCD, and look at it more from styles than necessarily numbers. Not that they don't take styles into effect, 
or they definitely should at least. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that because I'm not an odds maker, and I believe that you'd have to not only ask them, but you probably have to ask a few because you're going to get a few range of answers there. Uh, all right, going to recap, pick some plays here, unless you guys have any more uh, questions or additions. Hit the like button, share it out. Thank you guys very much. Positive comments, five-star ratings and reviews really help. I know I don't deserve it, especially after my results and uh, the way I've been about this last uh, few months and shit. I'm not good. I'm pulling myself out of it, though, folks. And I don't know, I'm feeling good about this year. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm stoked being back. This is an awesome show. I, I had fun. So hopefully you guys are... Dig it. All right, recapping. Taking Dagestani Stipe, Magomed Miocic, Magomed Ankalaev over Johnny Walker. Taking Cop over Nikolau. Taking Jim Milasan, Jim fucking Miller, baby, over uh, Gabriel Benitez. Uh, probably taking Simon Bato over Bautista. Probably taking uh, Fereda over Hogs. Probably taking or take, taking Orlovsky over or Cortez Acosta. Why not? Ride or die. Don't follow me on that one. Um, taking Parsons over Semmelsberger. Um, probably leaning McGee over Bolanos. Check me on fight day. Uh, taking Basharat by decision over Lapalus. Uh, probably take Sober over Wilson. Why not? But, I mean, stupid odds. Uh, I'll probably take Mata uh, over Nolan, but you know, don't don't follow me on that one either. And uh, yeah, taking Van over Bunez, that should be fun, man. And uh, you know we'll 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 see what Bunez can bring because he, he looks like he can make some fun fights regardless. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, gonna squeeze yours in. Random question to end the show. How cool would it be to see Kyoji Horiguchi back in the UFC? Could you imagine a fight with him and Henry Cejudo? So much karate boxing. Ooh, I would love that, actually. That's a great matchup. Um, although I don't think we would see Cejudo at 125 again, so it would have to probably be at 135, which I know. We just got the Gooch to go back down to 25s, right? So we'll see. But, yeah, that'd be cool to see him either way. You guys know I'm a big Gooch fan. Horiguchi, baby. Um, all right, as far as picks and plays go, so far, my only straight play is Parsons, although, you know, I'm probably going to be taking Miller and Arlovsky at the sports book on track because, you know, riding or riding, die with my old guys there, man, my favorites. How can I not? Uh, but, yeah, Parsons plus 105, one unit. Cop by KO plus 181 unit. Simon Vato and Bautista doesn't go the distance, minus 145, 1.5 units. Milasan inside the distance, plus 145, 1.5 units. Van inside the distance, plus 125. 1.5 units so hopefully we get uh two of those dogs and maybe our chalk play to come through and it's profit either way if i add anything of course it'll be at dan tom mma uh on an artist formerly known as twitter dan tom mma you can find my profile where i will be plugging these in and tracking these as per usual on the action app uh and uh for my round robins probably looking at cop ko um, Parsons sub, Miller round one, maybe a, a Dagestani Stipe round two. None of those are sexy and I don't feel good. I actually would feel better about doing a round robin of four dogs that even if you don't think are going to win just for the value, you throw a Walker at plus 410 on there, that's stupid. You throw uh, Arlovsky at plus 500 on there, that's stupid. Nikolau at over two to one odds in a fight that he's already won that's going to be close. If it get, if, if Cop doesn't get the knockout, that's going to be a close fight. Uh, you throw Nicolau on there. 
And you can throw anyone else on there you want, but I, I'll probably be throwing my guy Mata on there because he's going to go for it. Um, it's going to be an action fight in the small cage. Even if he doesn't deserve to be favored, uh, he is lively and uh, will fight for that dollar. Um, so uh, I may just you know do that at the counter too to fuck around and find out. Uh, either way, that that, that 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 equates to roughly the same uh, average that I usually put out for cards. I wasn't trying to, again, trying to pick my spots. Hey, Brad Tashchuk in the house. Arlovsky making 250k to fight some guy on the prelims of a warehouse card should be every MMA fighter's dream. Absolutely, he is live. He, he is about as living the dream as much as he can be. I mean, there's like the there's the Francis Ngannou Orlovsky spectrum, right? Those are the two economies. You want to be somewhere in between there, hopefully. Uh, shout out to Brad Tash checking the MMA analysis. Can't wait to listen to that podcast. As per usual, love those guys. Uh, sign up for Toutmaster if you haven't already. I think the due date is by... Well, you better do it by like now because the due date's tomorrow. I'm doing this live on Thursday, so hopefully you signed up. When you hear me reference Toutmaster, that's what I did. They are the reputable ones, so shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, and uh, that was an extra long recap, but it deserves to be in the recap, so I will sneak it in the timestamp. I don't give a fuck. Much love to all you guys. Um, hopefully you guys are doing well, carrying positive energy into the new year. Good luck on your picks and plays. Free Palestine. And always, protect. Yes.